I always appreciate the thoughts that you have. Uh, and I, forgive me, I, I need to set up here a little bit. Um, as a parent myself, I've related to everything that you just said, gone through a lot of that myself, and uh, continue to go through that. And so I want to, at this point, address the young folks, because uh, you're probably thinking, man, I, what is he talking about? <laughs> I, have no, I have no relationship to you know, what he's saying or what, uh, what, it, what it is that a parent goes through. But I want to encourage you all to um, think about that. Think about what um, Mr. Lee, Dr. Lee just shared with us. Um, because it relates to you all personally. And your parents are going through exactly that right now. And today we're going to talk a little bit about, um, about what that means. And so I hope that you will have a, an open mind and an open ear to hear all of this. Uh, because it's not, always, it's not always easy to hear. And, you know, like, it doesn't always apply to you right now, but it will. And uh, so I hope that you will, um, you know, pay attention a little bit. Let's pray as we begin. Father, thank you for um, bringing us together. It's always a privilege to worship you in freedom, and I think we take that too much for granted. But I pray that as we seek you this morning, you would, um, you would show yourself to be very real to us that you would touch our hearts in a way that um, we have not been touched before. Thank you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, as we begin to close up this series, the church membership has its responsibilities. We address a topic that fits very naturally into the mission, ministry mission and vision statement of this church. And uh, chapter 5 of this little book, I am a church member, the chapter entitled, I Will Lead My Family to Be Healthy Church Members, is what we're going to be talking about today. We all want our families to flourish and thrive. We all want our family members to be healthy and active. And it's no less important that our families are healthy and thrive in the church family as well. We are a consumer culture. We are a consumer, consumer culture. And in many places, the church has also become something to be consumed, especially in an area like Southern California or Orange County. You know that just within probably about a 10-mile radius are some of the largest churches in the United States, if not the whole world. And these churches come with a wide variety of programs and groups that meet every conceivable need, or almost every conceivable need. And we can pick and choose from a variety of services. We may like the music at this church, the youth program at that church, the recovery program here, women's fellowship there. And we consume all of these services, just like we consume things at a shopping mall, where we buy our shoes here, and we eat at the food court there, and we browse at the technology store. Uh, personally, I won't go into a mall that doesn't have some sort of a technology store, whether it's an Apple store or a Microsoft store or something, right? Because 
you just have to check out the latest technology, right? Especially as a guy. You got to have something to do while you're there, right? <laughs> but is that the healthiest way to grow spiritually? If all we think about is what can we get from church, what would the state of that church look like? The way to lead our families to be healthy church members starts with leading them to be healthy Christ followers. We had a discussion in our elders meeting about the importance of a member being baptized. And our conclusion was that, yes, indeed, it is important that potential members be baptized first. Because for Harvest, baptism is an outward symbol of an inward change. That is, there's there's already been something that has happened in your life, and you want to show it to the world, to demonstrate it to the world. And that's what happens in baptism. The goal of the Christian life isn't church membership. It isn't church membership. Our goal here at Harvest isn't just to get you to sign on the dotted membership line and then somehow everything is great and you can go on your merry way. No, the goal at Harvest is to help you become the healthiest, most faithful Christ follower that you can become. Membership is merely a step in that process. Membership says to us that you are placing yourselves, you are submitting yourself, you are committing your souls to the care and feeding received from the rest of the faith community that you are joining. But membership is the highest rung of the limbo bar that you will have to attain to. You know that, that, that um, game limbo? Have you ever played that game where two people um, hold a bar, right? And then they play the uh, calypso music or the Jamaican music and everybody gets in a line and they start I can't do this because my back is tweaked right now. (laughs) So I have to be careful, but I will do the best that I can. Everybody like goes through under the bar, right? And it's at the highest level you can you can do it, right? And then as each person goes through the line and finish, the bar goes lower and lower and lower and lower. And and they keep saying, How low can you go? How low can you go? You've got to be pretty limber to, to stay in that game. You know, in this case, it's not raising the bar, right? It's lowering the bar. Well, membership isn't the ultimate goal. Membership is not our ultimate goal here at Harvest. It's not winning the game of limbo, if you will. It's the first step. It's only the first step. If all we seek to do here at Harvest is to get you in the door on Sunday, to have you fill one of these folding chairs, to sing along with the worship, and to participate in offering, then we have, um, and to finally get you to to fill out the membership form and join the club, then we have done you a great disservice. We've done you a great disservice. The kingdom of God is not a country club. The kingdom of God is not a man-made organization created for the betterment of mankind. simply to do good works, simply to send out little shoeboxes every Christmas, or to provide you with good services. The kingdom of God is where God rules and reigns. And the church is God's human representation on earth of, God, of the kingdom of God. 
We are here to live out our faith to a world living in death and decay. And that's a tall order. That's a tall order, my friends. Um, it's a dangerous world out there. People are getting their heads cut off. They are scrambling for a morsel of bread. They are walking hundreds of miles in hopes of finding something just a little better than the situation that they have left. And to bring it home a little closer, we live in a society now where school can be a place of fear, not a place of safety. You used to be able to feel pretty secure in going to school. Not so much anymore. We need faith and courage to live in this world, and even more so if we were to live out our faith in this world. So where do we begin? Where do we begin? It's no coincidence where God begins. It's no coincidence. God begins with the Word of God. God begins with the Word of God. Proverbs 22.6 says this, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. We need to be aware of the care and feeding of the next generation. The care and feeding of the next generation. And some of the next generation are sitting among us here this morning. What is God's training regimen? What is God's training regimen? How would God want us to begin to train our children in the way they should go? Well, Deuteronomy 11 says this. this, Fix your... Fix these words of mine on your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land that the Lord swore to give to your forefathers as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. If you carefully observe all these commands I I am giving to you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. First of all, the word of God must be a high priority in your life in your life. If you don't know the Word of God, if you don't know how to read the Word of God, if it isn't one of your regular, if not daily, practices, then how could you and how would you teach it to your children? In verse 18, God tells the Israelites, and all of us as well, fix these words. In some translation, it says, bind these words in your hearts and minds. Some Jews take this literally. So they created these little boxes to put, to put the Word of God in. They're called phylacteries or te- tele- teleflim, I think, is something. That's the Jewish word for it. Say that again? Okay. Tefillim. Okay. Tefillim. That's tefillim with the word God's Word. God's Word. <laughs> yes. Um, actually, it's, I think it's related to the word prayer, right? It's related to the word prayer. So they created these small boxes to contain the word of God. They literally, they literally bind them to their foreheads and their arms. Um, 
And unless you think it's a little strange or, or weird, that's an that's a Israeli soldier. That's part of the IDF. So one of the toughest fighting forces in the world. And he's saying his morning prayers with the phylactery on him. You know, I see that as a beautiful picture of what it means to give God's word a special place in your life, to value the word of God to such an extent that you would literally bind them and tie them to your heart and mind. Now, I'm not sure that this is exactly what God had in mind. I think the idea must, is that we must study, memorize, and understand Scripture to the point that it becomes part of our psyche. The filter through which everything else passes. Why? Because Scripture is the vehicle God has chosen to reveal himself, his character, his will for our lives. Without an intimate knowledge of Scripture and a, and a careful application of that knowledge to our lives, we're like ships being tossed around on a rocky sea. The Apostle Paul put it like this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. Teachers. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. We are no longer to be like infants, but we've got to grow up. We've got to mature through the teaching and the prophecy and the pastors, essentially through the spiritual gifts and offices given to the church to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. I know many of you attend um, weekly Bible study fellowship, or BSF, or community Bible studies, CBS. These are meetings which systematically study through the Word of God and the books of the Bible. And I commend you for your desire to understand the Word of God and to apply it to your lives. It will make a difference in how you see things. At Harvest, we have small group studies where we gather together, and we'll study books or books of the Bible and topics together. Now, these aren't as rigorous as BSF or CBS, but they are opportunities for us to gather in small groups, share our lives, and grow together as a family. And I would encourage everyone to explore these means of growing in your faith. But then what does Deuteronomy tell us? What does Deuteronomy go on to tell us? It says we are to teach our children. When? When are we supposed to teach our children? It says, teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. As important as studying for AP classes, or the SATs, or the LSATs, or the MCATs, or whatever else letters are out there, 
You know, those things prepare you for school. But God's word prepares you for life. What's more important? What's more important? And even beyond that, it prepares you for eternity. Have you thought about that? It prepares you for eternity. Let me say that understanding and teaching God's word is one of the highest priorities we have here at Harvest. It truly is. Teaching our children the word of God is one of the highest priorities we have here at Harvest. I hope it's one of your priorities as well. God is very clear. We cannot experience his presence and his power in our lives without the continual, careful study and application of his word in our lives. Why? Because the word teaches who God is, it reminds us of what he's doing, and it draws us closer to him as we read and pray together. Now, what are some ways that we can encourage one another in God's word? Well, how about sharing at the dinner table? when we sit, sit at home. Even uh, if you have adult children, you can, you can share at the dinner table God's word. Um, don't have resources? There are plenty of great, great resources all around, and some of them we give to you for free. Um, Pat mentioned on the back table, uh, walk through the Bible devotions. Pick one up for yourself, for your family, for your children, for your teens, uh, for ladies, there are a variety of ways that you can study God's Word. How about praying together before you go to bed at night? How about family devotions? Um, or like I said, if you have older kids, talk with them about the news, about the presidential debates or the presidential uh, elections, and talk about the spiritual application the spiritual impact of voting for one, one candidate over another. When you sit at home, when you walk or drive on the road, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So what does a healthy uh, church member look like? Uh, what does a he healthy church family look like? Look like? Um, the author of Hebrews describes it this way. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work may be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. So a healthy church environment includes submitting to one another. Submitting to one another. Now, there are certainly cases of church leadership abused by clergy and lay leadership, and abuse cannot be tolerated and will not be tolerated. But a healthy church environment includes a healthy dose of mutual submission. A healthy dose of mutual submission. Just like in a family, and in, a, and in particular a marriage, mutual submission is necessary for God's will and mission on earth to be accomplished. In fact, God uses the model of the marriage to describe the relationship between Christ and his church. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, goes on and outlines perfectly what a healthy marriage relationship looks like. And he gives the reason why we should strive for that healthy family model in the church as well. And I'd like us to read it together. So part of it is printed in your program, but the rest of it is printed here. So let's read it together off of the screen 
so that we can read it fully and completely. Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 22. Let's start. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bringing them up in the teaching and instruction of the Lord. Did you get what Paul is saying here? Paul is comparing Christ and the church to the basic family unit. We are are all members of one body, one another. We must mutually submit to one another, and Christ is the head. We must prefer one another, as it says in a different scripture. We are to forgive one another, love one another, and look out for the needs of one another. You know, there are over 50 verses in the New Testament that give us one another commands. And uh, I've included this special insert for you. So pull out that little um, salmon, pinkish color... Uh, sheet printed double sided these are many if not all of the one another commands in the Bible and I'm not going to go through all of them we don't have time but uh, do you think it's obvious that God wants us to take care of and look after one another I think so. I think so. This week, I would challenge you to read through this list and apply two of them, first to your your family and then to others, okay, to others, all right? Do we love the church and want the best for it, the way Christ loves the church? The church is Christ's bride, and we should love it the same way that Christ loves the church. Ephesians said, Christ gave up his life for the church. Do we feel the same way? Do we love the church and want the best for Christ's bride? If so, then we must look out for one another. We need to have 
each other's back. And this applies to everyone, young and old, single and married, with kids, without kids. It's not easy being in leadership in a church. First, you must have a sense of calling. You must have the idea that God has called you to this place of service. But then you must also have perseverance. Imagine what it's like having a family not of two or three kids, but of dozens, even hundreds. Problems arise in families. And then multiply that by 10 or 24. And you kind of have an idea of what it's like to be a leader in a church. And the leadership must also exercise mutual submission. The elders and the deacons are constantly working together here at Harvest for the betterment of the church. It's not an easy task, but we're, we're so thankful for all who have heeded God's call in their life and served tireless, tirelessly alongside the pastoral staff. Uh, Friday night, we had a prayer fellowship, and we gathered together to pray. And we prayed individually for the deacons and deaconesses, and then for the elders. Uh, thank you, everyone, who came out that night to pray. It was a great night of fellowship and prayer as we lifted, uh, as we lifted up each servant of God to the Lord. If the church in general and harvest specifically is to fulfill the great commission on earth, to do as the Lord taught us to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then each person must be giving his or her all to help grow the church through mutual submission and preference. It's not good enough simply to become a member at a church. We are each called to fulfill our role and duty within the church. Perhaps we haven't had a clear idea of what it means to be part of a church body, a church family. But Joshua said it best when he was finishing up his time of leadership over the nation of Israel. He had already taken them across the Jordan River, led one military campaign after another to take the land, and just before his time had ended, he gathered the people together and recounted all that God had done for them as a people. And so some of his final words to them were to encourage to, encouragement to stay faithful in obeying God's commandments and to follow and hold on to God. He said this, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in, in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Joshua was willing to take a stand for God, to take a stand for God. How can we strengthen our desire and commitment to God in his church? I think that we can take a clue from Joshua. We need to make a stand. We need to make our stand for God. Joshua commands the people to get rid of their idols, the ones their forefathers worshipped, beyond the Jordan River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord only. 
He challenges them to choose this day whom they will serve. But he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Even as Joshua is close to finishing his time as a church leader, he is leading the way by taking a stand for God along with his family. It's a choice. It's a choice you have to make. But we must also lead our families to serve God as well. I love it when I see families serving together. We have, through the years, had many opportunities for that to happen. Whether it's going to Mexicali, close to Christmas time, which is coming up, or serving at Operation Christmas Child. We have a couple of families, like the Fangs and the Chows, who... um, are able to serve together on a ministry like the worship team. And that's great, isn't it? It's wonderful. Like the Lee family stood up today, this morning. And there are so many other families, like the Toms, that serve together. We also have families serving together in Promised Land or with the youth group in summer missions. This summer, there were a number of families that went to serve together down in San Diego. I think it builds strength into the church body when we serve together. You could do something as simple as putting a Christmas shoebox together. And uh, dads, I want to encourage you to take the lead in your family, to be the initiator of mealtime discussions. Don't wait for your spouse or for your kids to come up with ideas. Be looking for ways to serve God as a family. There are so many ways and needs in our community and our church to get involved. I'd encourage everyone to do that. Everybody. As you put your faith into action, you will see how God is working all around you. And you simply need to jump in and join. That's all you need to do. But again, you know, if you're not here with your whole family, um, where, where you can serve together, become part of somebody else's family. Become part of somebody else's family. Join together with your small group or your fellowship group and become a family to one another. Become a family to one another. It doesn't take much. It doesn't really take much. Just the desire to serve. Just the desire to serve. What does a healthy church family look like? It is one that nurtures the next generation in the knowledge, understanding, and application of God's word. It is one that submits to its leadership and to one another. It is one that takes a stand for God, constantly on the vigil for idols in your life and in its family's members' lives. The harvest is far from a perfect church. It is far from a perfect church. But we want it to, to be a healthy church. We want it to be a healthy church. We have many areas to improve, but we are always looking for ways that we can improve and get better. The SHAPE workshop is one of those ways. And uh, having opportunities to serve the church family and the surrounding community together. Serving together, side by side, with one another and our family members. Building life experiences in another way, is another way that we can be healthy in our growing relationship with God and with one another. 
you'll find a little yellow piece of paper. And we, we've placed these every week uh, in the bulletin uh, that we've been having, that we've been going through this series. And these are pledges. So these pledges actually come from that little book, I Am a Church Member. And this is the one at the end of chapter 5. And it says this, I am a church member. I will lead my family to be good members of this church as well. We will pray together for our church. We will worship together in our church. We will serve together in our church. We will ask Christ to help us fall deeper in love with this church because he gave his life for her. We're not asking you to, do, to say these pledges. We're asking you to, to, to look at them and, and see them as a means to, remi- to be reminded of what it, what it does take to, to grow in your relationship with Christ, to become healthy members, to know God, to know Christ. We pray that this would be true for every person in our church, that each one would find his or, place, his or her place to serve and to grow in Christ. Let's pray together. Father, give you thanks. Um, For our church family, we know that uh, we are in process, that it is a continual process. But we seek you out, Lord. We seek your, um, your face. We seek your will. We seek for you to show us very clearly what you would have each one of us to do. And Father, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that, I want to pray for them. I want to pray that uh, perhaps there's a desire in their heart to know Jesus, to invite Jesus into their life. So I want to ask that you would speak to them especially, that you would, by your spirit, um, give them the the curiosity, the desire, the the hunger and the thirst to know you and to, to seek after you. But Father, we pray for our church family, we pray for our church body, that you would be the one who leads us and guides us. Thank you and we pray in Jesus' name.